Welcome to Seattle House Mafia's Industry Interviews. I'm Phil, your host, and in each episode, we bring you exclusive interviews with DJs, producers, promoters, and other industry professionals who are passionate about leaving their mark on the dance music scene. But we don't just talk about their careers. We dive deep into their personal lives, what inspires them, where they face challenges, how they balance their personal and professional obligations, and what their aspirations are for the future. Lastly, we end every episode with an exclusive DJ mix so you can experience firsthand our guest's signature sound and style. So join us on this unique journey as we explore the dance music scene and the amazing people who make it happen. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Seattle House Mafia. This is Phil from Seattle House Mafia. And hey, I'm Paul Velocity. Also from Seattle House Mafia. You guys have probably seen some of our mixes. We have some live video from some events we've done, but we're, we're doing a little new thing here, which is going to be artist interviews, getting to know certain artists. Um, and our first one is, you know what? We're going to cut that because... I don't want to say first one, but anyway, we'll, leave it we'll in. deal out that. We'll leave it in. <laughs> anyway, well, we've got our first bloopers reel. We got our first bloopers reel. <laughs> but anyway, so our first guest tonight, or our guest tonight, huh? Mm, thank our you. Guest tonight, Paul Velocity. Hey. Segments <laughs> <laughs> at the back. He said, "Yeah, because he was free." <laughs> Comes at the right price. Yeah. So here, here's the funny thing, uh, Paul. How long have we known each other? Oh my goodness! Uh, two years? I, 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 yeah, I was going to say three, but yeah, two, three years. I know nothing about you. Is the funny thing about you know? Paul. You, I mean, you know my name. I know Paul. No, but truthfully, you know my stage name. I know your stage name, <laughs> yeah. and in fact, it wasn't till I actually had to Venmo you that I realized you had a different <laughs> name. And in fact, in my phone, you're listed as Paul Velocity. Yeah. And when I talk to my wife about you and your wife, you are considered the Velocities. So yeah, yeah. I, I I still receive like physical. <laughs> I like land snail mail with Paul Velocity on it, it from things. I love it. And also that's how my Gmail is set up as well. So okay. first name Paul, last name Velocity. Makes perfect sense. And like, I'm I'm trying to do like serious, because like, I'm, I'm renting out a house in the UK and I'm trying to do like serious correspondence with people. And this, Dear Mr. Velocity, I get. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it happens. Perfect. So I think that's a great springboard. So you're not from here, right? Tell me where you're from. No, I am not. That is Good, good spot. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not quite sure what gave it away. Uh, so I am originally from a small town called Woking. This is in Surrey, inside of the United Kingdom. Okay. Over in little old England. Gotcha. I, I've, I've lived here long enough now. I can say that little old England. Um, if you're not sure where Woking is, if you're into uh, Formula One at all, it is where McLaren is based. Uh, yeah. Okay. There nice. you go. Yeah. Yeah. So how far from, say, London? Oh, um, let's say 30 minutes by train okay. or I guess about an hour by car. It, it's, it's hard to measure that way. And that's where you grew up? That's Yeah, born, bred, raised. That's where I, uh, I, I went to my first parties. That's where I um, was influenced in my musical tastes. And I was going to ask you about yeah. that. It's almost like you're reading my mind. So <laughs> that's what I was going to ask because I always think it's interesting to hear uh, kind of the origin story or the event or the person or that, that one thing that happened that, you know, you're like, oh man, I need to th learn more about this scene or this music or whatever. What was that? So, um, yeah, it's probably one of my favorite stories because it's very organic in how it happened. So I must have been about, I, I guess, 13, 14 years old. Um, and I'm at, 
what we call high school um and you know you have different circles of friends and and people that you interact with on a, on a daily basis and i haven't really found a particular sound that i like musically for any particular genre i'm listening to all kind of different things that are playing on the radio influences elsewhere and there's and when this, you're saying like top 40 rock yeah, whatever kind okay. of yeah um and then there's this uh tape like you remember the cassette tapes i do you know off of the 80s and the 90s I do. Right? um being passed around and to give some context on this what would happen is um in the uk there would be uh these large warehouse raves and they would record the audio of the entire night and there'd be like multi-arena warehouses right and so you'd have you know 40 50 different djs playing across different stages you know throughout the whole night and so when it comes to then reselling that audio these would come in a multi-tape pack and it's like this little kind of mini briefcase you open it up and there's all these kind of you know tapes all set out and you'd have uh dj one on one side the second dj on the other and you, you could go through and anyway so that's the context so one of these tapes from this tape pack of i believe it was dreamscape 12 from Milton Keynes was being passed around and hey have you heard of this and you know we had Walkmans at the at the school and we could put them on and listen and dude, it blew my mind it's like what is this music what is this new kind of weird music that that and it was it was happy hardcore it was it was four beat so this would be about oh I don't know let's say 165 ish give or take 10 um beats per minute of um I guess this high energy thumping, you know, right. sped up vocals, um, you know, big organ stabs, um, and then just, you know, hoover sounds and drums. And yeah, there was a lot of um, like drum and bass breaks and influences there. And that's, that's really what, um, what intrigued me, as well as the fact that there was an MC on this tape pack as well. So okay. not only was this music new, but an MC for the happy hardcore scene in the UK at that time would step up on stage alongside the DJ and be like a hype man for the crowd. They would improvise lyrics on the spot and um, just get the crowd going, you know. And you don't want me to move my mic, but I heard there we you, you, you did it. We're good. No, I'm so much more comfortable. <laughs> and, and and it was just, it just I don't know, it was just such this, this explosion of new sounds. Fascinating. What me. year are we talking? great question so you're um, 13 14 right i mean yeah i'd like i'd say um 13 14 15 that that kind of so this would have been uh mid mid 90s okay like, like slap bang mid 90s maybe maybe 94 if i had to got it as as the start of where it began and it was already a strong scene though there yeah so it was it was already like um like an underground scene that yeah. had you know, and, and this was this is my first introduction into the underground sound. Like these these tape packs were not commercially or sorry, they weren't widely available. You'd have to go to your local record store and even then there'd be like a very small supply of it. There'd be, be these, like, I was gonna ask, are these dudes run. selling this out of their trunks or what? It's all it's all like privately these guys are pressing these tapes or it's slightly one step above that. Okay. And definitely several steps behind getting it into like a, an HMV or a Virgin Records. Like or, no distribution or anything yeah, like yeah, that. Okay, yeah. got it. Yeah. So um yeah, and it was it was just exciting, this this exciting sound. Loved it. So you heard that sound 
13 or 14 and then and then what was it was it i need to experience more of this i want to be a dj i want to create that music like where did it take you yes um another great question so um around about that time you kind of define who your friends are you kind of define the social circles that you hang around with and you realize that you know for, for better or for worse you all generally have the same kind of music tastes and so you know you'd have all the uh, people that like uh, metal music over there you'd have all the people that liked all the indie stuff over there you'd have all the you like all the edm crew all the ravers like myself over here and you know it, it would never be it was like this unspoken barrier like you are these 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 groups you and you don't kind of really talk or interact with the people that liked a different taste of me it sounds so sad to say it now but that's that hey that's just how it was back then um i mean it's breakfast club or whatever the same thing here in the u.s right yeah. like the, the 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 smokers were in the upper parking right Exa- yeah, exactly. exactly. yes. yeah exactly yeah exactly yeah yeah um and then you get those overlapping circles like the smokers who like the metal and the smokers who like the rave it's, yep but you all kind of come together in one come the thing and so the the circles that i was moving around in they they were also people that you know were into the music into the scene and they also had a little bit more gusto behind themselves. They're like, "Well, yeah, I, I, I want to be a DJ. I want to be, you know, I want to be up on stage playing the music." That was the vision. I never really felt that strongly. That's something that I wanted to do. Something that I, you know, I was even more fascinated with was the MC that was mm. talking. About. I like it, it. Just, I just, I wanted to know more about it. It just, it fascinated me so much. Like a DJ, yeah, sure, they have a box of records, they're in the spotlight, whatever. But this MC is doing something so unusual and so different and so off the cuff um i i really wanted to get in, involved in that so what would happen is one of my friends um he he bought himself uh technics 1210s and he would he would uh buy vinyl play rave music and then i'd come along um with a microphone and this is like in a we go to each other's houses and do this right. uh kind of much like what we do now <laughs> and um <clears throat> like just you know, just play music and I would MC and we would record it and we would like have this awesome mixtape that we can listen back to and go, wow, that was cool. And we just kept doing that and that again and again. And what happens is in these circles, as you, you know, people know that, oh yeah, you've got this DJ equipment, you've got these records, we're having a party. Do you want to come and bring your equipment and records and, you know, play some stuff? Yeah, for sure. And you get invited to house parties and then you get invited to, you know, small local venues. Sure. And then you get, you know, when you eventually become old enough, you get invited to, to the bars and the clubs. And, you know, you're, you're part of the scene. You grow up with this scene, which I think sounds a little cliche, but that's that's how it was. Like all, all the people that I think are, you know, relatively successful, you know, we were all around them at the time. Right. You know, on, on that scene. And it was just cool to be a part of that. And so you guys started actually getting booked for these events, venues, events here and there. there yeah, there, there's a bit of a gap between there and the there. The arena yeah. show and the sure, yeah. sure, no, I sure. get it. I get it. Wow, very cool. And so emceeing, mm. and 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 did you stay doing the MC thing for a number of years, or when did you transition into DJing? And now I'm imagining, forgive me if I'm wrong, that velocity came from maybe something vocally that you were doing. Or was it was that you know the, yeah, the maybe. name maybe maybe <laughs> so, tell me about that yeah so uh, let's start off with, with the first part of that so uh, one of my friends a uh, guy called Dave Edwards 
Um, he was a drum and bass DJ. Um, he's now uh, part of a UK DJ troupe called The Sect, uh, based down in Brighton, I want to say. Um, still at it, though. St- as far as I know, Fuck still at it. it. And, so and and this was you know, th- this was before he even, you know, blew up the scene and, and became, you know, as, as involved as he is now. Um, I would, like, go and MC uh, events with him. So he would get booked at some of the main clubs. And so I guess he would have been about 18, 19. I would have been about 17-ish. Um, and I got to MC alongside... Um, Mickey Finn, who was a massive drummer bass yeah, DJ yeah. at the time, yeah, like Urban Takeover Records, yep, yep. right? Um, and yeah, it, it was I've, it blew my mind. It's like, hey, all this stuff that I've done is led up to this event, and I had a great time. It was fantastic. Um, and and you, you're right. So um, to answer the other part of the question, the yeah, the velocity part did come from my MC name. I was known as MC Velocity. That's that's the name that I chose for myself. Got it. I found that I was able to be quite quick with coming up with rhymes on the spot. I was kind of good as a hype man for a crowd, and so the the name just it just made it made a ton of sense. Um, but I, I did MC for for a fair bit. Um, what really helped out was one of the local events in the area called Club Empire. Now at the time, I would go to this club. This is an under 18s club. Okay. Right? And it was held at the Guildford Civic Hall. And they would fully deck it out in um, visuals, lights, lasers, smoke machines. They turned it into like an under-18s club. It was amazing. And I went there as a, as a punter, as a guest, for um, maybe a year and a half. And um, the reason I would go is they would have my happy hardcore heroes there. So it would be Slipmat, Dougal, Vibes. Uh, all these kind of big UK hardcore named DJs would be there. And when you're that young, there's no way you get to see them because you can't go to like a, a normal club. Right. You can't go to like to an over 18. Uh, age of consent is 18, by the way, in the UK. So in, Good to know. In the US, it's 21. In the UK, it's less. So like you can, you can, you know, go to clubs, smoke, fuck, whatever you want to do, right? 18. So that's that's why I call it out as an under 18s club. So this is a a, a pre-adult club. And you couldn't you couldn't go anywhere else in the UK and hear these DJs like you you, you listen to them on the tape packs and you idolize them and you like you sure. you know it but you don't actually get to meet them. So this club was amazing, and I, I went there for a, a number of years, and then I ended up reaching out to the promoters and saying, "Hey, look, I I would like to be involved in this." Conversations happened, yada yada. yada. I ended up being a stage manager for that gig for like about a year, which was wow. really cool. By that time, I was now eighteen. And I was looking after the acts that were coming in, um, and yeah, it was it was phenomenal. And and from there, then you you really do start to embed yourself into the industry a lot, you know. Um, and it was probably around that time that I realised that the emceeing wasn't enough for me. Like you could only, eat, I felt like I kind of hit the ceiling. I'm not saying that I was the best. I certainly wasn't, but I felt like I progressed as far as I was comfortable progressing with that. I, I hit my own limitation for that. I right. felt like I need a new challenge now. Um, and so uh, I thought, well, let's let's give DJing a go. So I, I found a cheap pair of 1210s, you know, that someone was selling. I started to uh, collect vinyl. Right. And, you know, the rest is history. It's history. But yeah, that's, that's my origin story. No, that's super cool. Yeah, I was always curious about that. And 
it just to me it always seemed like um the uk was a bit ahead but i'm also a little bit older than you and so you know right around the same time i was going to parties too um as just as you would say a punter mm. <laughs> i was still paying cover <laughs> i didn't know anybody cool enough to be on a list even but yeah and so let's fast forward then you got to you ended up doing that for a number of years i'm assuming a big part of your social kind of hobby passion life right then what what took you to the state and if i'm skipping any any interesting parts between then and what brought you to the u.s you know feel free to jump in but what what brought you over to the u.s um a couple of things <laughs> <laughs> let me guess it was either a job or a girl or a job and a girl i mean <laughs> right? yeah i mean i don't think we need to go into too much mm. detail but it was you know you're totally. in, in, the, in the right area yeah so yeah, yeah. um a few i mean but that, okay so as, as as fun as the the djing gig was um you know i i never really made it you know, strong enough for it to be a full-time totally. income. So, of course, like I have a, a main job yep. that basically <laughs> feeds my hobby. Right. Right. And that's 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 how I, you know, can pour buckets of money into into what we do now. Um, yeah, so I, so it was, yeah, I moved for, for, for those things. Yeah. And uh, we are in 2023 now, and I moved out here in 2015. Okay. So I've been here long enough. Got it. Yeah, yeah. no, I know exactly what you mean because... You know, if I'm if if I look honestly at the mirror myself, I probably could have hustled more when I started DJing. I probably could have networked better when I started. I, there's there's things I I could have done, but I also built a nice career for myself outside of that. And so here we are, doing what we love to do, and we can afford to do it. And so, who knows? Who knows how it would have worked out, right? But I, I'm with you. I kind of followed a similar path that way. One of the cool things that I actually did um, shortly after, you know becoming a more regular dj was approaching one of the local bars in the town i grew up and said hey look i'd like to put on a uh, a dj talent night mm. one of the frustrating things when you know you're a young dj is you're not getting booked at any gigs no and i was like well there's two ways of doing that <laughs> right and and the second way is you just you, you make your own events right right and so you you find a reason to get booked yep. yourself and so we thought well, I thought if I set up um, a, a DJ talent night with some friends, then, you know, they can come along and be be judges. We can kind of interact with the industry a little bit. Um, and it was it was a great night. So what we did is it benefited the bar because we, we pitched this for like one of their quiet nights of the week, like a Wednesday or something. It benefited the DJs because they got to have some kind of exposure. Yep. They brought their friends along who were buying drinks behind the bar. You know, it was win-win all around, and sure. it was it was great. And this thing lasted for maybe I don't know, like six or seven weeks. We'd have like uh, preliminary rounds, and we'd go through to like a semi-final. Oh, nice! Grand final, all that nonsense. And yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed doing that, and I honestly felt like I was given a little bit of something back into yeah. the into the industry, in, into that community of you know where they've they've given me so much that you know undeservedly or not i don't right. know but i felt like i was able just to pay a little bit of that back and that was that was pretty cool and then off the back of that the um the the bar actually said hey look guys you seem to know what you're doing do you want to have like a regular gig here and that was fine it was great and then that's you know we, we got booked for that um i say we there's myself and uh, a guy called jason uh we ran a night called gel club 
Um, and it was just off the hook every single week. It's insane. It sounds so fun. Insane. We we would. Um, he knew some girls that would dress up in the uh, you know like the the the, the jumpsuits yes. from from prison, right? Yes. And you know because the jail clubs, so it's the whole kind of jail theme, I and see. they and they go out kind of giving out flyers of the event, and we get people in. Um, and we set up a because uh, he was a carpenter as well. So I'm just laughing how this what? would not fly the jail club at, at, at any day today, like <laughs> in, in this climate, like the jail. But I love it. It's great. So we yeah, we set it. up these the, these bars, and so you got the the DJ booth like just kind of like there, and then yep. we set up these kind of vertical poles and this to make it look like we're DJing from inside of a prison in, behind the bars. It's nuts, absolutely nuts. <laughs> <laughs> love it yeah. i mean don't get me wrong like, not every night was amazing we had we had flops as well we're, we're human beings everybody i mean everybody sure. who's thrown a night or dj a gig has had a yeah yeah no. yeah and i just you know i want don't want it to make it seem i mean like isn't I'm, that the crack though you have you have even if you have one out of ten bangers like that one mm. is enough to fuel That's you right. you may start right. to be getting burnt out at like nine or ten and then it happens again and, it's, yeah, and it, just, it fuels you like yeah, yes let's, yeah, come on exactly. let's, let's do more of that exactly yeah, that's great so um, yeah we, we did that oh what else yeah, DJ'd in the um, old disused baths in I believe it was Wimbledon that was another <sighs> crazy night so um, what so Wimbledon is it's like a, an arena or, or is it like like it's an area in little, London an area in London where okay. the tennis happens got right? it and there is a Wimbledon arena okay and that is a venue, but we were playing at uh, a different venue. Got it in the Wimbledon area. Got it. And that was uh, that was nuts because that was, um, geez, that was just like the floor was all just these white tiles. The walls were all like white tiles, and because of the way that the bars were interconnected, um, it, you had like different arenas and different DJs playing, and it was it was just one of those amazing nights where. And you must have had them where like you 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 can put on any record and you just can't go wrong. The, yeah. the crowd were just there for it. They the were just thick, man. Yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. And was it um, like a multitude of genres, or was there one specific genre that was kind of more prominent than the others when you were? Uh... Oh, so yes. Oh, okay. So um, uh, like in this multi-room sort of arena scenario. I'm gonna answer that question with a longer story so to give some context into all of that let's 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 start maybe by answering that so i uh, at that time i would be playing funky house okay so anything disco anything slap bass yep. anything you know kind of like that right yeah um almost like kind of early jack in house yep kind of stuff right um the reason i'd be i would play that is um oh yeah okay so <laughs> Years ago, I was signed to a uh, DJ agency. Um, uh, there was a DJ agency that reached out to me and said, hey, look, we want to get you on our books. Can we, you know, you know, get you some gigs? And like, well, yeah, sure. And they I, reached out to you. Yeah. I, mean, I love it. I'm in like early 20s. Sure. I'm like feeling like a baller. Right. I mean, this, this agency wasn't, it wasn't great. It wasn't amazing. But they, they, the effort was there. Yeah, right? yeah. And um, this guy, he put me in touch with... Uh, a a wedding dj right so he needed some help with uh f- taking some photographs of him whilst he dj this was nothing to do with a dj agency but it was the agency that connected me to this guy right so hey look paul i know you, i mean i was unemployed at the time i could do with some money <laughs> and um 
he said, look, for, for 50 quid, he's, he just wants some help. Just take some pictures of him because he needs some self-promo pictures, right? Sure. And it's this guy, um, I won't call out his full name. I don't know if he wants the exposure, but this guy called Brian. Um, I went to go and just, you know, help him out. And he he loved vinyl. He loved house music. He loved like funky house music and the stuff that he would play at these events. And they, these would be like corporate events, uh, the occasional wedding. It would be very kind of commercially acceptable events. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't playing underground clubs or anything like far right. from it. He was doing parties um, and, you know, things like that, right? Um, but he would always give it this solid funky house spine backbone, right? Okay. And then every, it, he'd still do the commercial stuff off, off sure. the side of that. But, um, and that's where my love of funky house evolved from in my early 20s is, oh, wow, okay, uh, this this is a new sound. Uh, this is this is a little bit slower than what I was listening to before. Uh, prior to that, I was li- listening to uh, UK Garage or uh, Two Step, as right. it was called. Um, and even then before that I was I went through a drum and bass phase and then all that stems back to my to my happy hardcore phase so I began with happy hardcore evolved into drum and bass went into two-step garage and then found my feet with the funky house so that's probably why a lot of the stuff that I play now you'll hear it's all been heavily influenced by the piano lines that I loved from the happy hardcore I love a good piano line um, like you the, don't say <laughs> <laughs> the 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 bass lines from the drum and bass that I used to right. listen to and, and the breaks and maybe some of the choppy vocals as well. Actually the choppy vocals would have come from the UK garage influence. And then um a lot of the the vocal stuff that I, I like now, that's all influenced from the funky house that I used to listen to. And so all those things have kind of merged into creating the style of house that I play now, which is amazingly this kind of culmination of all these different influences, plus you guys as well. Um and you know the the feedback that i get from my from my mix sessions that i play out and it's just this kind of weird beautiful what i feel is a, a unique sound and that's you know that's kind of what brought me here today yeah here you are here i am yeah it's it's uh it's fun because i get a mix with you and sangdo quite a bit and it's like equally a challenge but also really fun to feed into that and to actually to set you guys up too because i have my own sound with my own influences that came from my own experiences right but it is it is really cool to watch that how, how you traverse those different genres especially when you're first introduced to electronic music or dance music and and i think everybody goes through this like evolution and i think the cool thing is and i've seen it with you i've seen it with sango myself even now that evolution still happens Mm-hmm. which is really cool. And I think that says a lot about, I talk about this a lot sometimes, like the music lovers versus like people doing it for reasons other than loving the music first and foremost. You know, kind of like you have that brother or that cousin who still listens to the the grunge in my case, that was the hot music in high school because they just never evolved. They're so tied and anchored to that. So right. yeah. yeah, very cool. Well, and on that note, I think, you know, one of the other pieces that I want to do when we do these these sort of interviews is give you an opportunity to mix and, and an opportunity in a way where there's there's no like promoter pressure. There's no bar sales to worry about. There's no, you know, there's there's just it's just like what would Paul play if, you know, he just is doing his own thing, the music that he loves, the music that he would, you know, without any worry about judgment or anything like that. 
and it, and it's and it will be interesting to see how far afield some people go versus how true some other people stay to their sound. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll come back to that in a second. But as far as what you're up to now, like into the present, you're in the U.S. You're partnered up with two of the most amazing DJs you've ever. I'm just kidding, but but you're doing the Seattle House Mafia thing. I know you've also run a successful kind of radio show and stream for a long time that you've been doing with a pretty big fan base. Honestly, like, where's that going? What are you going to do with all that? And like, what's 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 happening in the present for you? Um, that's interesting. So uh, last week I I found out I've been on YouTube for 14 years. <laughs> I know, right? Wow, <laughs> long time. That's a long time. I'm an OG. I'm an old git. Yeah. Uh, no. Um. So, 14 years is a long time, and um, it's only recently really that the subscriber count has gone a little bit crazy. Um. I don't know if 15 and a half thousand is is a lot of subscribers on YouTube, but it's it's a number. Um. And it's it's doing all right. So, I have a studio mix that I put out once a month. Um, or sooner if I can. Right. Um, and that's uh, my mix sessions series, and that's that's doing all right. Uh, and yes, uh, to your comment about the radio show. So that's actually a, a fairly interesting story. So about oh, let's say four years ago, five years ago, the the company that I used to work for, um, like every every Friday afternoon, we'd have uh, a speaker set up in the office, like uh, like one of your kind of mackies you got there okay just with a phone plugged into it and just playing like a just like a spotify playlist right and anyone in the office could add whatever music they wanted to to this playlist and the idea is hey look it's friday it's chilled let's all listen to each other's influences and get inspired to work and be creative right and so from that um there was a a, a few people that kind of realized well some people are actually quite good at selecting tunes yeah and others not so much no, there's not so much. So some people, um, yeah. So we, we we kind of they they kind of decide. Okay, well, how about we just really hardcore curate this Spotify playlist and mm. see what comes out of that? And almost like there there are DJ selectors, right? And then fast forward a little bit, um, they actually reached out to me because they knew I was a DJ and said, "Do you want to come and be a DJ for this radio station?" And maybe bring a house music vibe because they were all doing um oh what's that genre called like shoegazing um and they were doing um indie and you know a lot of singer songwriter type stuff and yeah like yeah. stuff like you know um and they there wasn't really well there wasn't any kind of electronic music there right. at all so they wanted that that edge so i said yeah sure i'll come along and do that and so I, what i ended up doing was um recording a one-hour show where I would introduce it myself, um, host it, run it, manage it, and it would it would always begin with um, uh, an introduction. It would begin with a mix, then there would be a track of the week, then there would be um, another piece of mix, and then I would do a uh, a throwback track, so like an old school vintage tune that I would play that I, I used to love, and then like a a locals listing of like what's happening in Seattle, where should people go this weekend, yada, yada, yada. And that was fun. That was fun for a couple of years. Uh, then COVID happened and then there weren't any listings <laughs> to, no. to talk about anymore. So the structure changed on that. And um, 
it was just that like, I'm just going to have a mix. I still kept throwback track. I still kept record of the week. Yep. And I, you know, I still kept it as a hosted show. Um, and that, yeah, that, that ran for a couple of years. I, I brought it up to episode 150. I've got 150 episodes in the bag and then I just knocked it on the head. Like, so I, the reason why I began that radio show, uh, platform six is what it was called by the yes. way. Um, I began that as a challenge for myself. I thought, well, can I actually commit to doing this every single week? For I don't know. The original goal was just maybe like I'll just do it for a year. Yeah. See what happens. Like, and after a year of committing to doing that, what I realized was, I love doing this. This is great. It gave me a much needed creative outlet that I really wasn't having in other areas of my life. And so, um, I was like, yeah, oh, well, let's let's go for another year. Let's let's go. And then that year came around. And I don't know, a third year, it sounded fun, but it it started, just started to become a bit of a chore yeah. rather than fun. And so I got to like episode, I think 120. I was like, yeah, no, I've, I think, I think I've had, because I thought I was going to stop at episode 100, but I was still having too much fun then. Right. But then I got to episode 120, um, give or take six months later. And I was like, no, I, I just, I don't have time or, or passion for this anymore. And what I would do is in order to fuel the music for those shows, I would pull from different promo lists that I'm on. Okay. Um, that helped to keep the costs down. Cause you know, if you are having to come up with brand new music every week, buck 49 a track or two, two bucks a track. Right? It's, yeah. It's not a lot individually, yeah. but you know, you add all that up plus all the studio stuff that I do yeah. and the mixes elsewhere. It was like, all right, how can I get this to be as cost effective as possible? And I'm signed up to all these promo mailing lists. The downside to that is, is although you're getting music sent for free, the quality was not that great. Mm. And I'll be spending a lot of time just scrubbing through and going, well, no, that's that shit, that shit, that shit. And it, honestly, it would be like finding a, a diamond in the rough. Only about 2 or 3% of everything I listened to was actually even playable, right. let alone, you know, really, really good. And um, towards the end of the 150 episode run, I was getting, you know, mixed feedback, shall we say, of, you know, what is this fucking shit? <laughs> Go back to the mixes you were doing before. Because right. I would, I, I, you know, I published this on my YouTube page. And on my YouTube page, it's got, it's got my uh, studio sessions. It's, it's, it's got my, you know, it's got my live gigs on there. But it's also sure. got Platform 6. And so... My fan base is used to hearing the the studio sessions, right? And though these all studio sessions are, are taken from TrackSource, Beatport, like you know, right. tracks from, you chose and curated for yourself, right? Yeah, but yeah. also by artists that are a little bit more established, yeah. you know, rather than just giving out free promos to try and get some traction in, right. in the industry. So um, yeah, so I was glad to kind of have that as an experience. I'm glad to have you know get closure on that yeah love closure closure is great i know uh but you don't like control or any any kind of just, yeah, just no no i cannot i cannot watch things on netflix <laughs> that that are a series so my wife goes to me yeah hey paul do you want to do you want to start watching this thing like sure how, how long is it and she goes 16 seasons 16 seasons. Oh, <laughs> just get get me give me to that final anyway so yeah so i've got some closure on that and that's fine um, the the current mix session studio series is that's going really well. I'm I'm still enjoying that. Yeah. I'm I'm doing that as and when I can. Uh, I still force myself to get one mix out a month. Um, there was a time when everything when a lot of stuff was going on in my life, as well as 
doing the platform six i just didn't have time for doing any mix sessions right and there was a, i had a, about a, a six or seven month forced break from that and i wanted to get back into doing that and i really want to commit to releasing at least every single month from those things so yeah i mean in the in the absence of any kind of live bookings it's it's been quite a yeah been quite a change to go from the places that would play in the uk and europe to then coming out here and i'll be the first to admit honestly i, I had a ton of arrogance when i moved out here and the expectations that i had as you know a, a relatively successful dj in the uk i thought i'll come out here you know i'm british call blimey governor i've got an accent <laughs> i'll get booked right and i had a hard knock back down yeah, to reality man. yeah yeah the industry said no you can take your accent and fuck right off yeah um and i that was probably one of the best humbling experiences I've ever, ever had. It it gave me that kind of bump that I needed to just, you know, just to calm myself down a bit and go, no, you're not amazing everywhere around the world. You still need to earn your stripes. And right. I think this is something that's very important in this industry to, to any DJ that's trying to come up through the ranks. Yeah, I mean, sure, you might be able to get a flash in the pan success, but what's sure. really going to give longevity is, you know, that hard work ethic and doing the network events that we spoke about earlier and putting that time in and doing these things you know you can't you can't shortcut success you really can't so i mean i'm glad that happened because then that helped me to kind of take a step back and move more into doing like twitch streaming and youtube live streams and focusing on a radio show and like all the other bits and pieces that go around live performances and then um you know i always kept an eye out for uh dj competitions and i entered a few of those um, I did really well at a Q nightclub competition as well. That was fun. Um, but yeah, just any, anything that I, that I can do because bookings is, let's just call it political and, and leave it, leave it there yeah. right now. Um, oh, I know. And so, and th this goes all the way back to like when I was first starting out DJing and running those DJ competitions and, you know, setting up those events where I would book myself to play. One of the reasons why, like, if it's hard to find a gig, you just create events and opportunities for yourself. Yeah. And I think that's what the three of us are doing right yeah. now is, you know, we are creating these opportunities for ourselves. We are creating this group. We are creating this this brand, this presence that no one else in the industry is doing right now, to my knowledge. And we are creating those opportunities for ourselves. And I'm just excited to what the future could look like. And it's fucking fun. Yeah, man. It's fun, right? right? Yeah, it's really fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what I, you, you sort of answered what my next question was going to be, but like, you know, money, not an issue, time, not an issue. I know this is unrealistic, but like sort of that Nirvana, like what, where would you like to be with, with the music, the DJ, and maybe even some production, whatever, like what would be, if you, if you could write it, you know, the, the future, what would that look like for you in an ideal scenario? I like the, I like the idea of playing a big club. I think I prefer the reality of a smaller venue. Yeah. Definitely, you know, a hundred or less. Because in my experience, the, the quality of guest or punter or patron, um, the quality of patron is a lot, lot higher. Yeah. People come for the music and they, they, they dedicate themselves to really enjoying what it is that you're putting out there. Like I, I could, you know, be on the main stage of a huge festival, but if, what, 70, 80% of those people are, you know, on their phone or looking at something else. I'm not going to have any fun. They're festivaling, man. They're like, yeah. Which, which is fine. Hey, yep. you, you do what you want to do at a festival, but 
my satisfaction doesn't come from the size of the stage. Yeah. It comes from the satisfaction of the patron. And I, I feel that that is part of my job as, as a DJ. I'm not here to play music for me. I'm here to play it for other people. It just so happens that my musical taste and what I like happens to also align with what other people want to hear. And then it's now my responsibility to, you know, craft that journey and to, you know, give them, to give them a good night. Right. That's, that's what I learned growing up. This is what I learned at the club empire days. My first ever kind of experience with clubbing is you'd have a warm up DJ that would come on and they would, they would play all the, all the kind of happy vocal piano stuff at the start. And then there might be like the second or third DJs that would come on and the music would get a little bit more chunky. Then the main act would come on and just actually tear the place apart. Then the, the final DJ, like the closeout DJ would come on and that might be like some weird stuff or some maybe some tranquil stuff. And you'll hear exactly that same progression in every single mix that I do and every single thing that I bring to the table because that has stuck with me since day one. Is you start with the happier kind of vocally stuff and you slowly progress through and you get harder and harder and you can hear that in every single mix I think I've ever produced. That's that's always been my approach to DJing. You never knew that, did you? No. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I saw some patterns. I heard some patterns, but I never necessarily knew that it was as conscious as it is. But that's oh, yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, it's... I'm I'm way more seat of my pants as you know, and sometimes it's brilliant, sometimes it's a fucking car accident. That, but that's that's a gamble, and that, <laughs> that's no, that's fine. It. And I think the times I've heard you play, and it's 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 come together well. Yeah, it's it's blown me away. It's been been really amazing. Yeah. Um, I think from my my perspective, the times it doesn't go quite right, I think that would stress me out too much. Yeah. I think it really would. I think I get off on the stress sometimes. I don't know. I don't know. I got, maybe I have to do some reflection on that. But anyway, this is about you. Mm-hmm. And I think with that note, you know, um, I'd love you to have a mix. I mean, I got this great studio set up, you know, because I have a real job and oh, yeah. and uh, I'm a bit of a gear <laughs> whore. And so what I've done is this Seattle House Mafia HQ is I've set up the kind of studio or the kind of DJ setup that I think is ideal to play on in the house or a club or whatever. I want it to be a good experience for you, but I also want you to have that liberty and that freedom to play whatever you want to play for your mix because there's no fucking pressure besides the internet listening. Yeah, let's get him. But yeah, go have a mix, man. (laughs) And let's let's see what what comes out. I'm excited for it. Thanks for coming through. Yeah, of course. Let's get it. All right. Seattle House Mafia. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Seattle House Mafia's industry interviews. If you want to watch the full video of this interview, including an exclusive mix from our guest, head over to seattlehousemafia.com forward slash YouTube. And before you go, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. For all things Seattle House Mafia, including our upcoming shows, latest mixes, gear reviews, and more, you can visit seattlehousemafia.com.